0: Well, good morning. good morning. Let's do that again. Good I need some engagement at the beginning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, hello. My name is Rod, and I normally don't stand here. Normally, I'm back hiding behind one of those instruments, but Sid asked me to quit coming out of my hiding and get out here. And he asked me to come give a talk to you today. So, I'm honored and blessed for this opportunity and here I am. Um, If you don't know me, um, I have been around the church here for a little over a year. Uh, Formerly, I was a pastor of worship and youth at another church in the area, and uh, God led us in a different direction, and now I have the awesome opportunity of teaching high school students history over at Wildwood, and I love it, and I'm enjoying it, and it's turning into a really, really cool ministry field for me there. my dad, uh, my mom and dad have been involved in this church um, since almost the beginning. And if you don't know my dad, you should get to know him. My mom and dad are great people. Uh, he's one of the overseers here. And uh, so I've been familiar with what you guys are doing long before I was, was ever attending over here. Uh, in my past life, when I needed a pastor, I needed somebody to talk to for some counsel, for some prayer, for, for some support. I'd call up Sid, we'd get together, we'd sometimes talk on the phone, sometimes we'd grab a meal, and uh, and he would really um, pastor me, which I needed. And so I've had a, a deep fondness for you guys and for this church long before my family actually started attending here. So as you know if you've been around, we're in a series on wisdom. And so Sid said to me, Speak on wisdom. We're not on any particular format. We're doing Proverbs, but we're not doing an order. We're not doing a format. Just do what God lays on your heart. So I started thinking about wisdom, came across this, these words of wisdom. There's a fine line between a long drawn out sermon and a hostage situation. All right. <laughs> so As I said, I teach high school students, you can only keep them so long, so um, I'm only gonna keep you so long. So if you'll listen hard, uh, I'll try to speak hard and we'll get through this together and we'll get out of here maybe a minute early. How about that? Maybe the rain will continue to stop, all right? So uh, when Sid asked me to speak on wisdom, the first thing I did is I thought about what was a situation in my life that required wisdom? And I thought about it and I thought about it, and one particular situation kept coming to me, and it was one that I didn't want to come to me. And it was a story that I didn't wanna have to spend time thinking about, but I felt like it was a story that I needed to share with you today, all right? Sorry, Hux, the timing of this story is awful, but but I felt like it was the one that I was supposed to share with you. But as I said, um, I was a youth pastor at another church in the area, And every year we would take our students to a camp in um, Tennessee, in Cleveland, Tennessee. And uh, it's up near the Smoky Mountains and it's near the Ocoee River. And for years and years and years, um, really all of my adult life, I've been going to the Ocoee River doing whitewater rafting. And I love it. It's so much fun. I love to be in nature. I love to be out there. And so we hire a professional um, group of guides and they take us down the river. I've done it so many times, and we've always had a great time. So every year before the camp would start, we'd go up a day early, and as a youth group, we would go down this river. And like I said, it was just so much fun, so many positive experiences until this year, until this particular year. When you're a youth pastor, as Hux knows, he just asked for prayer, the very first job you have is to keep your kids safe. Beyond everything else, that's your first job. And like I said, we had done this trip over and over and over. And unfortunately, this particular year, you're not gonna believe what I'm getting ready to say. A particular girl who I loved, who I'd had a chance to uh, lead to Christ and baptism earlier that year, she got caught on a rock under the current and she drowned and it was the details of it are more horrific than I wanna share or have time to share today, but it was the worst possible thing you can imagine. Even in the last couple, three weeks, as it's come back up in my mind, it's been hard, and I've had to relive things, and I don't know if you ever get over something like that, but um, terrible situation. Our group obviously was so beyond um, themselves that uh, the group, we decided as a group for them to go back, come back to Leesburg, come home. And uh, my wife and the other leaders were amazing. Uh, God just blessed us with them as they shepherded our kids, our group, through this terrible tragedy. I stayed with the young lady. Um, She was airlifted to a hospital in Chattanooga called Erlanger, there's a picture that's gonna come up. And I stayed with her and she was on life support, but there was nothing they were gonna be able to do for her. So um, as you know, a lot of times as youth group group grows, uh, kids will come in and there'll be kids who are connected to the church. Maybe their parents come, they're connected, and then a lot of times those uh, students will invite other students to come. And so then you end up getting a lot of students who are not particularly connected to the church. And this girl, was one of those students. She was invited by friends. she started coming, she got connected. Again, I had the awesome experience of baptizing her. Well, as a result, I'd never met her mom. So the most frightened I've ever been in my life was waiting on her to come and me meeting her for the first time to talk about her taking her daughter off of life support. Telling you, I've never been so scared of anything. How was she gonna respond? I didn't know what her faith background was. I didn't know how she was gonna react. I didn't know what was gonna happen. That's when you need wisdom. Because what was she gonna need? She probably was not gonna need a sermon at that point, right? She was probably gonna need me to love her in the very best possible way, but I didn't know what that way was gonna be. So when life brings you circumstances that you don't expect, you have to draw on your past experience. You have to draw from a well that hopefully you've been filling up with your personal spiritual disciplines, your time walking with the Lord, your time walking with other people. We're gonna talk about that a lot today. So horrible story, but the one small bit of good news is the woman really accepted my ministry. And we met and we hugged and we cried and we spent a lot of time hugging and holding hands and crying. And um, we took her off life support. We prayed around the bed. Uh, I was able to do um, the celebration of life a couple of weeks later, but um, it's just something... I don't wish anybody to have to go through. But see, that's what happens with life. Sometimes things come our way that we don't expect. Life throws us curveballs. And when it happens, we have to draw from a well. We have to draw from a well of wisdom. And so today I want to talk to you about wisdom. And I'm going to kind of come from a 30,000 foot level. Okay, we're going to kind of go through, uh, we're going to be looking at, How, as Christians, do we apply scripture in a wise way to our lives? Okay, So we're gonna sit up at about 30,000 feet and we're gonna go through scripture and hit some different things, and I hope at the end, I'm gonna give you one practical thing that you can take home with you and you can apply to your life, all right? So, um, on to happier things, all right? Early in June, my family had an opportunity to take a trip out to see our oldest son who works for Amazon in Seattle. None of us have been to the Pacific Northwest. So we're flying out across the Canadian Rockies and my wife takes this picture out of the window. And let me tell you, the view of those mountains from above was absolutely breathtaking. You could see the folds in the earth where the mountains were created and you could see the green uh, trees below with the white capped snow-capped mountains at the top. We had an incredible view. Then we got in, rented a van, got together, and we went out and we got to explore that part of the, the country. And when you drive through the mountains and up the coastlines and up into the mountains, you get a different perspective. So we had one particular day, we drove out to Mount Rainier. It was cloudy, a lot like today. And we drove and we drove and drove, could not see Mount Rainier Until we got up the mountain to a certain point, we broke the clouds and everything was bright. And Mount Rainier was covered with snow. That's my family. We had a great time together out there. So here's one of the things I want you to hear today. Both things are important, all right? The details, the detailed view is important. And also, the bigger picture view is important. We get two different perspectives and we can apply different things to our lives from taking the time to see it both ways, all right? So today we're gonna be big picture. My working definition of wisdom today is knowing the truth and then knowing how and when to apply it, all right? You guys have probably heard this before. The truth is tomato is a fruit, right? Wisdom says don't put it in a fruit salad, all right? Wisdom is knowing the truth and then knowing how to properly apply it, okay? When I met this young lady's mom, she didn't need a sermon. I could have given her truth, but it wasn't appropriate at that moment. Wisdom is knowing the truth and knowing how and when to apply it. The Supreme Court of the United States, they have the job of looking at our Constitution and figuring out how to apply that truth to the world that we live in. They can have the job, I don't want it, it's difficult. But it relies on knowledge and wisdom for them to do their job well. They need both. Now I grew up around here locally in a church not far from here, and the church was great, and the people were great, my parents were great, had an awesome upbringing, and this is all my fault, not the churches. I don't wanna blame this on anybody but Rod, all right? But when I was growing up, I had the perception that the Christian life was about rules and the Bible was a rule book, all right? What you could do and what you can't do. And as a mischievous teenager myself, I wanted to know how close you could do, get to what you couldn't do, right? Right, It was all about rules, and the Bible I saw at that point in my journey as a rule book. And what I want to say today is the Bible contains rules. There are rules in the Bible, but if you see the Bible primarily as a rule book, you've missed the boat. I missed it for a long time. All right, The Bible is not primarily a rule book. Are there rules that we should follow? Absolutely. and We're going to talk about that but we make a mistake if we see the life of faith and the Bible as a rule book. Now, if you see it as a rule book, you're gonna find yourself with problems from time to time if you really study scripture. And I wanna take us to a verse in Proverbs that I had overlooked, actually two verses in Proverbs 26. All right, they're sitting there minding their own business and all of a sudden you look at these and you're like, "Wait a second, Houston, we have a problem. All right. Proverbs 26, four and five says, first, do not answer fools according to their folly or you will be a fool yourself. Then it turns around and says, oh, wait, stop, time out. Answer fools according to their folly or they will be wise in their own eyes. Wait a second, God. Wait a second, Bible. We've got a mistake. If we're reading it literally and trying to keep the rules literally, what do you do? Do you answer the fool or do you not answer the fool? If it's a rule book, primarily, you have a problem. How are you going to keep that rule? What's the wise thing to do? Oh, wisdom. You guys already know where I'm going with this. All right? Y'all are smart. Wisdom says... And God's trying to tell us that there is a time when you don't speak to the fool. And there's a time when you do. How do you know the difference? Wisdom, wisdom. So the Bible is not wrong. The Bible didn't make a mistake. The writer of that proverb did not mess up. God's not trying to trip us up with scripture that seems like it's contradicting itself. I love um, a theologian, he's an Englishman, uh, named N.T. Wright, and he says, God has given us the Bible he wants us to have. I love that. What we need to know in our faith and in our life, God's given us that. So when we see something that trips us up, we need to stop and slow down and see why it's there or see how we are looking at it. Maybe we have the wrong perspective, okay? So the situation is important, not just the words of the Bible. Although the words of the Bible are always true, we have to apply those words in the right way at the right time, and that's what wisdom is. Understanding the truth and knowing how and when to apply it. To put it in Christian terms, wisdom is what forms us to be more like Jesus, who, as the Apostle Paul put it, became for us wisdom from God, all right? Um, Wisdom is about the lifelong process of being formed into mature disciples who wander well along the unscripted pilgrimage of faith and tune to the all-surrounding thick presence of the Spirit of God in us and in the creation around us. So we have to get beyond the rules. Does that mean we don't keep rules? No, 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 all right? Don't go out of here and say, Padgett is an anarchist, he doesn't believe in rules. That's not what I'm saying, teenagers. It's not what I'm saying, all right? By the way, don't, get tra- don't try to get close to where the rules tell you not to go. It leads to trouble. Believe me, I've been there, all right? You know what wisdom is also, another definition? Learning from someone else's mistakes, all right? Learn from mine, listen. Seek after God, seek after God's best, seek after his truth, okay? So we do have rules, but the rules are informed by something. And we're gonna get to that in just a minute. All right, so as I said to you, I'm a high school teacher. High school students do not like pop quizzes. Therefore, I don't give pop quizzes. They know what's coming. What? Oh, we had one. (laughs) Didn't you need to use the bathroom or something? All right, but I'm going to give you guys a pop quiz, all right? Arguably, the most famous set of rules in human history are contained in the Bible. What's that set of rules? Very good, you pass. (laughs) I gotta keep you awake. I gotta make sure that you're with me still. All right, so I just grabbed a rule. I randomly grabbed a rule out of the 10 commandments. See how you're doing with this rule. Exodus 20, verses eight and following says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. All right, that's a rule. How you doing? How you doing with that rule? I've got an aunt and uncle who live in Atlanta in a neighborhood that has a lot of Jewish folk. And on Saturday, by the way, not Sunday, Sabbath is Saturday, they get in their black suits, the men have the black hats, they have long beards, the ladies have them on black and white dresses. And how do they go to the synagogue? They walk, they don't drive. So you see all these people walking down the sidewalks. Question, do you think they go out to eat after synagogue? Mm -mm. No going out to eat, no driving, no going out to eat. So question, based on what you just saw in that scripture, how you doing? How many people drove to church? We drove two cars here. I got here earlier and then my family came later. We failed. How many of you guys going out to eat after church? Really, that's it? We're not either, but I thought most everybody went out to eat after church. All right, so pretend you're going to eat after church. You're making somebody else work. How you doing on that rule? Now, let me ask you another question, scenario, single mom who's barely making it happen. She's trying to provide for her family. She takes a second job at Cracker Barrel. Is she sinning? Are you sinning by going there, giving her the business? I mean that in a positive way. If you're old, you'll know what I'm talking about. You giving her a good tip Are you giving her a kind word, a smile, treating her with respect? Is God honored in that? So we've got to see when we look at any rule in the Bible, we've got to run it through the filter of love. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Do you guys remember These bracelets we used to wear back in the, I think it was like the early 90s, all right? They had four letters on them, all right? The letters are WWJD. Does anybody, another pop quiz? Does anybody know what it stands for? Everybody knows what it stands for, all right? I don't know if that was the best fashion idea, but it was a really good life idea. What would Jesus do? All right, it comes from a novel where um, this pastor in his church and his community, they decided to take Jesus' words literally. And they tried to ask themselves in every scenario and every question, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, guess what? We happen to have a story from the New Testament about how Jesus handled Sabbath. Most of you might already know it, but let's look at it real quickly. In Mark chapter three, Verses one through six, it says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Who are the enemies? The Pharisees. What were the Pharisees all about? Rules, Rules. 613 of them, all right? Lots of rules, okay? We're gonna get back to that. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed a man's hand, They planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics, those Pharisees, and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. They looked around at them. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At once, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. See, you got a contrast here. You got these men who valued keeping rules over the needs of the man with the deformed hand. And you've got Jesus who said, I'm gonna value love over everything else. Now again, before you accuse me of being an anarchist, hold on a second. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five? Jesus said to us, he didn't come to abolish the law, but what did he come to do? Fulfill the law. What Jesus did, and I'd love to go deep in it, but we don't have time today, he took the law and he upped the ante. And when he upped the ante in every situation, it pointed back to love. The filter for Jesus in living out the rules of this life always came back to love. Well, what is love? What does that look like? Well, here's the good news. He told us Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Now I'm going to use the message for this one. Eugene Peterson was an awesome theologian. He was also a local church pastor his whole life. Incredible man. Love God, follow God. He wrote amazing works. He did a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And sometimes it gets a little wonky for me and a little bit weird, but a lot of times he nails something and gives you some perspective that some of the other um, translations, at least for me, don't give me. So for this one, I wanna use The Message. Matthew 22, 36 through 40 says, when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, that's another group of rule followers, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion. Don't miss, miss these three words, passion and prayer and intelligence. He wants all of us. He wants to seek Him and live out our faith with passion, with prayer, and with intelligence. All right, if you're missing any of those, you're missing some of what God has for you. And when Jesus talks about the abundant life, they include all three of those. And again, we could go on all day on that, but I'm gonna move on, all right? Um, This is the most important, the first on any list, but there is a second alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. And then this is what I loved. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. Isn't that a cool picture? All right, so again, the takeaway is every decision that we make when we look at Scripture, when we apply Scripture, When we try to live with wisdom, it should always point back to love, loving God and loving each other. If something doesn't look like that, it's not Jesus. It might be Pharisees, it might be Sadducees, it might be something else, but it's not Jesus. When you interact with people and they don't look like that, love God and love each other, it's not Jesus. Jesus' last prayer when he was on earth in John chapter 20 was, God, let them love each other. That was his last prayer. Let them love each other. All right? Let them be known by their love. All right. So implicit in love God and love your neighbor is live life with God and with your neighbor. That's what we're doing today, partially. This is one part of it, loving God. We had worship, we had prayer, and loving each other. By the way, Jesus said when we love each other, it's the ultimate form of worship, all right? So Proverbs 15, says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Right. I believe in doing faith corporately. And I think it's right. I think it's what God wants for us. So to illustrate this, I'm gonna tell you the process of how this talk came to be. How I'm here today with these words coming to you today. I'm gonna give you the whole process. Here's how it started. I said earlier, Sid called me back, um, I don't know, mid-June or so. He said, hey, I want you to come speak to our church. We're in Proverbs. There's no particular format. We're not doing it in a particular order. You just do what you feel like God lays on your heart. So I said, okay, I'd be honored. I would love to do that. So I started thinking, and I started praying, and I started studying, and I started asking God to lay something on my heart. I asked the Holy Spirit to illumine my thoughts and send me in the direction that God wanted me to give you words today. So that was the first step. Then the second step, as I studied the Scripture, I studied commentaries, and I studied scholars, and I read some books. I like to read, by the way. And I called on the expertise of people who've given their whole life to studying Scripture, studying the original languages, digging in deep. I called on their expertise. And then I've kind of started putting together my talk. And then I talked to people that I respect, people that are close to me. I ran it by my wife and said, hey, what do you think? I ran it by some close friends. I had breakfast one day with Brian Broom and I ran it by him. I talked to Sid on the phone. I ran my ideas by him. I got all that together. And then I called the pastor that I worked with for many, many years, who I respect. He's a really, really, really gifted theologian, smart guy, and he's gifted because he's super smart, but he always brings it to the practical level. So I ran it by him. He tweaked me a little bit. And then it finally got to this point where I come and share it with you. So in that process, there was my relationship with God was engaged, My relationship with other people was engaged. I I used my intelligence to help me put this talk together. And my intelligence said, guess what? I've done quite a bit of theological studies, but I've not given my life to it. And there are people that have. And so I'm gonna call on their expertise. All right? I'm gonna call on their expertise. So I sought them out. And it was a whole process that got me to this point. Listen, I believe in expertise, all right? I happen to know a lot about music. I know about music what you probably don't know. But guess what? If you break your leg, don't call me. I don't have expertise. And we had a little tragedy at our house this week. One of my wife's office mates was going on vacation, and she says, hey, I got a guinea pig. Would you mind watching it for the week? We've got a dog and a cat and some chickens, so we're like, sure, we'll watch it. Well, guess what? I killed the guinea pig. (laughs) Yup. I'm sitting on my my bed with a cup of coffee Thursday morning, and my wife comes in and says, Rod, it's dead. I said, You gotta be kidding me. She says, It won't move. I touched it and it won't move. So then we had to find out if we were gonna bury the thing or or put him in the freezer or what we were gonna do. (laughs) But I've already killed a chicken. So I had a burial ground in my back of my lot, so I found a spot next to it. It's really nice under a big, pretty oak tree, and I buried the guinea pig in a Walmart bag. My wife said that was offensive. (laughs) But see, we rely on the wisdom of people who have spent time learning particular things, okay? It's why we need each other. There's doctors in here. There's teachers in here. There's pastors in here. Probably somebody in here that could fix my car. I'm terrible at fixing cars. All right? We rely on the wisdom of each other. Love God and love people. Go to Scripture in your personal time. Have a personal relationship with God. God wants that. God loves you. Jamie talked about that earlier. It was great. God loves you. He wants a personal relationship with you, but don't leave it there. Do it together. We do it together as a family. Love God, love people. See, I need you, and you might not know this, but you probably need me in some way or another. All right, we need each other. And that's God's picture for us, applying scripture, understanding scripture, applying it, living it out to our lives. Listen, scripture's difficult. It's difficult. The more I know, the more I don't know. All right? So I try to rely on the wisdom of so many people from so many different perspectives. We need different perspectives. And with that, I feel like is my best chance to try to follow Jesus and act and look like him. Y'all pray with me? God, thank you so much for this opportunity today. God, I pray that um, the people in this room could walk out of here with the very simple concept of understanding scripture and understanding our walk of faith with you by spending time with you, by allowing your Holy Spirit to speak to us personally, and then by working that out together in community. And God, when we apply these principles, when we apply these rules, help them all to run through the filter of love. God, I pray your blessing as we go. I especially pray for this uh, group of students that's getting ready to go to camp. I pray your blessings on everything that they do, that students would get to know who you really are, who you really are, how much you love them, and the plan that you have for their life. And God, again, I'm just so grateful and thank you for this opportunity. We pray it all in your good and loving name, amen. Thank you, guys.